Hi, I'm Megan Dibby and welcome to my podcast, Class in Session. In this podcast, I'll be discussing social injustice issues and everything to do with activism and allyship. If that's your jam, tune in every Friday. Hi guys and welcome back to my podcast. Thank you so much for the love and appreciation on my first episode. I'm so grateful and now I'm like less nervous to, you know, do this. Um, but today, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about white fragility and guilt. We're going to be talking about what white fragility and guilt is, um, examples of it and like how it leads to racial gaslighting and how white people need to and can do better. Oh my God, that was so dramatic. But yes, enjoy so there's a book called white fragility and i think it's um what's it called who was it written by it was written by this woman called robin d angelo i think that's how you say her name obviously guys you know me in books you know it's already episode two and you already know me in books there's no way i've read that book i want to read it i'm currently reading why i'm no longer talking to white people about race however let's just say i'm on page 45 and that book has a lot of pages so you know we're progressing but not that much but yeah she wrote the book and she um coined the term so she like made the term and um so white fragility is also known as white defensiveness and it refers to the feelings of discomfort and defensiveness a white person experiences when they are witnessing discussions around racial inequality that is like your bulletproof definition The author of the book states that, you know, white people react to what she calls racial stress with an outward display of emotions such as anger, fear, guilt and behaviours such as argumentation, silence and, you know, leaving the stress-inducing situation. So they they do this so they can remain comfortable because they, you know, live in their small bubble and they don't want to confront their racial bias. And you know what? I do want to say it's understandable because if someone's telling you that, you know, you are benefiting from a system that oppresses so many people and does harm to so many people you're not going to believe it you're not going to want to believe it you're going to be like no oh my god i would never do that how could you you know think such a thing but this literally doesn't help anyone all you're doing is invalidating and literally racially gaslighting people of color and black people like it doesn't help them and it just kind of makes you look like a bit of a bit i'm gonna say you look like a bit of a dickhead love that's what you're looking like Examples of this could be when like black people and like other people of colour talk about their experiences with racism and white people go, you know, they get defensive and they go, but not all white people, I would never do such a thing. Like, yes, we know not all white people are racist, but all white people benefit from racist systems. If someone's telling you their reality, their experience, why is it that the first thing you say is, oh, but not all white people, not all white people, but certainly you, like, if you if if black people people of color are like generalizing white people talking about their experiences whatever whatever if you're an ally and you know you're not racist then you wouldn't get offended because you know it doesn't apply to you you know you're the, you know you know you're the exception you're doing the bare minimum though so let's relax however you know you wouldn't be mad about that like we do we shouldn't have to clarify that it's not every single white person you should be able to use your common sense and know that but you know what they say guys common sense isn't so common it's quite sad people are lacking in that you know department it's like when someone's talking about feminism and how women are oppressed and people are like but not all men yeah but all men benefit from a patriarchal system yes we are aware that not every single man on this earth is a rapist like yeah we know but your unnecessary commentary very unnecessary thank you very much your unnecessary commentary added nothing to the situation i think white people with fragility um view racism as like you know someone calling black people the n-word and that's it 
like you need to stop thinking that you know the n-word is the only racist thing you can do you can perpetuate racism in so many different ways other examples are when like people of color are calling out uh, microaggressions microaggressions are like um what's called they're like subtle but very offensive comments like indirected to like people of color and like an example could be like okay so when like a white person like white english person who you know speaks english obviously says to like an asian person oh my god you speak such good english like they're shocked that they speak english like why would you be shocked like do you see how it's kind of like subtle and it's kind of like you know it's well you you can't really call you know when you can't explain racism but you know it's racist like that's what microaggressions are but anyways like when white people respond to people of color calling out these microaggressions they'll be like oh oh but i have black friends i can't be racist or it's not really that big of a deal or you know things like oh i don't see color why would you even make it about race it's just a joke learn to take a joke guys i shivered there like i'm actually so cold i didn't think seeing my wardrobe was going to be this cold maybe next time i should bring a blanket with me but yeah they will say this type of stuff and like I'm just there like, but how can you as a white person decide what's racist and what isn't racist, especially as a person who doesn't even experience racism? Like, that's literally racial gaslighting. Are you ready? Do you want to know the definition of racial gaslighting, guys? I'm really coming out here with definitions. Like, some of us are trying to get A stars, so, you know, it's no biggie. But racial gaslighting is the psychological... Please, please tell me why I'm struggling to pronounce that word. Oh, my God. Manipulation that makes people of colour question their own experiences about racism. So, you know, white people could say things like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. Like, why do you make everything about race? And a person of colour would be like, oh, my God, yeah, maybe I'm making a big deal out of it. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I shouldn't have reacted this way, whatnot, whatnot. When in reality, they had every single right to react that way. Because what that white person is essentially doing is literally denying their privilege and refusing to listen to people of colour which is literally a privilege like the fact that you get to walk away and like deny someone else's reality is a privilege because you because you don't experience it no it can't be true because you don't think it was offensive it's not offensive do you see like your white fragility is at an all-time high you'd rather not confront your own racial bias and just stay in your own little bubble where you're comfortable but because of that people of color are literally in danger because you're choosing to be ignorant and not listen now onto the bit where white people can do better um white people can overcome their fragility in you know many ways obviously the first one is they need to acknowledge and is express no embrace there we go embrace their discomfort because as much as you don't want it to be these conversations are uncomfortable but you know you're just gonna have to deal with it it's better to actually listen than to avoid deflect and like i don't know run away from the situation or something because that's gonna make you look stupid let me not lie but i promise you it's literally more uncomfortable for like the person of color to be talking to you about their encounters with like racism than you just listening to them like i think you'll be all right another tip is to i would say not take it personally when a person of color like disagrees with your perspective on like racism because they kind of have every right to because you don't experience racism so your like perspective on it or like opinion on it is kind of invalid like they would know more than you because they actually go through it you know so i feel like just listen to them love because they're right there's no debate about that they're literally just right if you think about it you, like, it just doesn't make sense for you to be like oh but i think racism is this but i don't really think that's racist or i don't know da, 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 when it's not your like it's not your it's not your reality so you can't really you can't really speak on it so you know that's another thing don't speak over people of color like 
ill. Because speaking of a people of colour, people who are literally frustrated with the system, to me is a bit disrespectful because you're literally just making it all about you. And we do not want that. No, thank you. Lastly, acknowledge your privilege in these situations. So, you know, you can become the ally that we deserve, that we rightfully so deserve. Um, but anyways, I'm moving on from this. So now we're going to be talking about white guilt. And to me, the concept of white guilt is quite funny because I, really and truly, I think it does nothing to help black people and people of colour. Like, guys, I did research and like people do believe that there's like one type of like white guilt that does actually do something. But I necess- I don't really necessarily call it guilt. But, you know, we'll come to that in a minute. Um, One type of white guilt is unhealthy white guilt. So this is when white people are like, their main concern is how they feel about racism rather than the actual inequalities of the racist systems. So basically, in other words, like they're making it all about them. Like they just, they won't engage in conversations about, you know, race because they just, they don't want to feel bad. They just don't want to talk about it. Like it's just too much for them. They're prioritising their own feelings rather than, you know, making change, rather than having, you know, uncomfortable conversations. Like, I'm so sorry, but this revolution, I love to call it, I just love that word, I'm so sorry. This revolution, or whatever you want to call it, is not about you. Like, it really isn't. It's about the liberation of black people and other people of colour. It's not about you. We do not have time for you to be prioritising your feelings. We don't have time for you to be crying about how unfair the world is, like... I promise you, we already know that. We've already gone through that. That's why people call it, like, unhealthy white guilt. Because if white people are too busy, you know, prioritising their own emotions and thoughts, how are they going to confront their racial bias? How are they going to do that if they don't even want to partake in conversations about racism? Because they're too concerned with themselves and their guilt. To me, it's like their white guilt is literally like a barrier to black liberation. It's like a barrier to making change. Because in order for, you know society to evolve yeah evolve is the right word to use white people do need to have uncomfortable conversations because people's lives literally depend on it so another type of white guilt is called healthy white guilt and this is when experiences of guilt lead to what people call the empowerment to you know break down white supremacy and racist systems to be honest i don't know if i would call this white guilt like I, i don't know if i believe in like healthy white guilt because wait when you feel bad for someone do you feel guilty for them like, I swear you only feel good for them, like, if you think you've played a part in the situation. Actually, now when I think about it, since white people are the cause of racism, when you think about it, since they did create the concept of race, then healthy white guilt kind of makes sense. But I don't know. I don't know if I would call it guilt. But, you know, either way, it's something that we want because it literally leads to people realising that, okay, yeah, I'm perpetuating racism and I need to do something about it. And that's literally what we need. However, this is why it's kind of a bit iffy to me because this type of white guilt even though people call it healthy white guilt it leads to people you know developing a white savior complex and like i said in the previous episode guys we do not want that some people will use that and like overstep their place they'll think oh my god i'm just like i'm trying to like help the black community so much but instead of actually supporting us they'll want to take over the the whole movement and like i said it's not about them so technically healthy white guilt can still lead to unhealthy white guilt which is why I do not believe in healthy white guilt. I honestly do not think there is like, I just don't, I don't believe in it. I really don't. I think you can just be an ally and you can just be an ally. That's it. We have reached the end of this episode. I do feel like this episode was quite short, but that's okay because next week's episode is going to be long. Thank you so much for listening. Follow my podcast Instagram at Class and Session Podcast. If you like this episode and want to hear more from me, subscribe and tune in every Friday. For now, take care.
Thank you.